We're going to do slightly, something slightly different this morning. And I think I'm always the one that announces something slightly different. So you must think that I really like slightly different. It's kind of true, though. I will be honest with you. I am really pumped about this morning, mostly because I get to introduce two very fantastic human beings to you and talk about the mission of Howard's Heart. Howard's Heart is an organization that we have partnered with, um, and I will let them share the vision and all of the good things that they are doing and how we can be a part of that. Um, but I, I, what I want you guys to take away, this is, this is purely selfish on my part, but it's because of how I feel, is I want you to be excited and I want you to feel connected to the foster teens that are desperately in need of help and feel alone and have been let down. Um, that we have this amazing opportunity to be the kind of adults and the kind of human beings that they desperately need to see because they haven't seen this. So before I start teaching on my own and forget about introducing them, I'm going to ask uh, Amy and Jennifer of Howard's Heart to come up and they have a couple friends that they're bringing with them. And we're going to just do like a panel discussion this morning. Um, let's, I'll organize this. Good morning, everybody. My name is Amy Bunker, and I am the founder of Howard's Heart. Um, we are a nonprofit organization that works to support teens in foster care in our community. And as you can see behind us, um, our values are community, respect, and opportunity. We came to those because we really believe that foster teens should have a voice in their system and in their processes. Um, hi, my name's Jennifer. Um, Amy brought me in because I am an organizer and a scheduler and a planner by nature. Um, so, uh, sorry, uh, can you go back to that one? <laughs> this is the first time we've done one of these, so we'd like to apologize for that. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the things that we found when we sat down with caseworkers, two of whom we will introduce to you in a, in a minute here, is that teens really don't get much of a voice anymore in their system. Um, and so what we strive to do is ask them for what they need. We don't ever assume. That's the last thing we want to do. Um, and I then think, we... Go ahead. I think that they get a lot of people assuming we've decided that this is what you need and here it is. And instead, we really want to make sure that we're providing things that these kids want themselves and are giving them that voice and showing them that community. I think that's the second part of it that we really didn't anticipate when we started this. Um, but, you know, we're, we're watching these young people go out into the world at 18, 19, 20, some of them at 21, and they have learned through months or years in the system that even when they ask, they're probably not going to get what they need. Not from their caseworkers. I cannot stress this enough. The caseworkers we, that we work with are fabulous. They do everything I'm, they can. I'm not saying that because we're sitting here with two of them. I would be saying <laughs> that regardless. Um, but we also want them to learn that there is a greater community out there and that when they ask for something, at 25 or 40 or 70, there are people who are listening to them. We want them to learn that. 
Um, so we've kind of touched a little bit on this, um, but one of the other reasons that we really decided to focus on teens is that they're widely underserved in the nonprofit community. Um, there are a lot of nonprofits that serve the little kids. It's super fun to go buy baby toys and diapers, um, but a lot there's a lot of stigma around kids in foster care, and teens are seen as being kind of lost causes and criminals and um, otherwise just falling off the radar in a system that, that doesn't have a lot of funding and resources to start with. We really like um, kind of blowing apart stereotypes of teens, um, and that's one of the things that we will invite you guys to ask us about at the end. I've had people say to me, you know, well, it's their fault, right? What? That's, you know, that was an eye-opener for me. Having worked in the system for so long, of course it's not their fault. I've had people say to me, well, I heard the system kicks them out the door at 18 with 100 bucks and a good luck. Whoa, maybe that was true in the 70s. It's not true now. So one of the things that we also strive to do is give a little bit more education to the community at large to how our teens in foster care are treated and... What their realities are. Yeah. And the realities of the social workers that help them so much every day. Um, so this adorable old man up here is my grandfather, Howard. Um, he did literally always wear a bow tie. Um, my grandfather uh, was a wonderful human being. He grew up in poverty, and he came to be one of the most loving influences in my life. And it wasn't until he was dying that he forgot who I was, and he thought I was my grandmother. And he started talking about his own life after he turned 12. When he turned 12, I never knew this, you guys, he entered the foster care system in Wisconsin. He was there, it would have been 1930 to 1938, something like that. And the stories that he told me, no dental care, no assurances of where he would be the next night, not knowing where his food would come from, not knowing what education he would come from. Those are the same stories I was hearing today. And it was 80 years later. And I couldn't do it. I, I thought to myself, we have to make some sort of change. He had the same experiences that I'm hearing about today. So what are we going to do about this? Um, and how this all started was last year at Christmas, Amy um, had been doing holiday drives, and last year she decided to focus on teens. She got complete wish lists for each teen and posted each wish list to Facebook so that people could get gifts for these kids. She started with 40 members in that group, and in two weeks it blew up to 400 members. We got every item on every kid's wish list for over 100 teens, and that is why we call our donors champions. I remember reaching out to Christine and saying, hey, let me have your kids. And she Christine. said, well, how many of them? And, and, she said, and I said, all of them. And she was like, oh, buddy, you're crazy. And it was. It was completely crazy. Nobody and, does something like that. And by the time we were done, people were knocking down her door for ways to give throughout the year. And having learned her grandfather's stories and hearing this enthusiasm from the community um, and how much they were identifying with these kids through their requests and their own voices um, was inspiring beyond belief. And that is how Amy and I accidentally started a nonprofit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that. That's real scary. Um. So, 
This lovely lady to my right is Christine Foley, and next to her is Bob Schaefer. They are two of the actual heroes of this community. They are both teen caseworkers. We're going to hand them the mic and toss them some questions and let you guys hear a little bit about what their reality is like for, uh, as a caseworker from day to day. So you can give Christine. Um, Christine was in one of our very first meetings when Amy was inspired to do this. She got together with me and a few caseworkers and asked them, what are some of your greatest hardships in getting things that your teens need? What things are you paying for out of your own pocket? What things are just out of reach? And um, maybe Christine can tell us some of the things we came up with in that meeting. So there was a lot of things we came up with in that meeting. Two pages. Um, we talked about the essential box and things that our teens come into our office. A lot of times some of our teens are on the run or don't have um, access to just essentials, basically. So they'll come into our office, ask us for tampons or pads or shampoo or conditioner. Um, and it's always kind of like, do we have sample sizes? Do we? Can we go out and buy these things? Um, and now that we like have this essential box in our office, we're able just to go over there and be like, get what you need. I remember um, you said that that week you'd been to Walgreens for a kid every single day that week, and it was just getting exhausting. And it was all yeah. out of your own pocket. That's the other part. Caseworkers buy these things out of their own pocket. Like school teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and school supplies and their summer camps. And, I mean, we even struggled to get, like, bug spray for camp for kids to have pillows that are new sleeping bags, um, just anything you can think of that a normal kiddo would just be able to get, it's, it's a struggle, um, especially to get new items or items that they can get the whole list, and like that was great over the summer, just be like, here's the camp list, and everything would be on that list for those kids. They wouldn't be going, being like, oh, I didn't get that, or I don't have this. They would have everything they needed. Awesome. Um, <laughs> these two these two were kind enough to come to one of our board meetings so um, uh, and talk to our board about their experience working with us and Bob had some really nice things to say about the impact that um, Howard's heart has had since we started on on him in his job and for his kids pretty please no, that was a statement not a question <laughs> oh <laughs> please say those things again say those say those things again <laughs> oh, oh god now you're asking me to remember something um it, you know howard's heart has been tremendous for myself and my unit and i can't stress enough i've been doing this 20 years as of this month um and i used to be young and handsome and this is what ended up going on <laughs> um but that's okay <laughs> It's been extremely important because it has been focused on teens, and they really, 95% of it, they are the, the leftovers. Some of these kids have been in foster care virtually all their life. I have a young woman who I love to death. I got her case when she was in sixth grade. She is now a sophomore at Portland State, asking me, what do social workers do? Do I want to go into that field? Yeah, I think you should. Um, <laughs> The most important thing I think about our job is that you retain a sense of hope for these kids because most other people have given up on them or the people that have been in their lives have come and gone. Um, I've worked with kids who have been in 38 different placements um, and try and get a sense of just a solid spot to put your foot and say, this is where I'm at, this is what's predictable, this is what I know. It's very, diff very difficult and it has been such a blessing with Amy and Howard's heart because, like Christine was saying, I had kids this summer. I'm going to astronomy camp. 
I don't have anything. Okay, great. One morning, Amy shows up with this, all this camping stuff. Um, I have another kiddo who's at PCC, and you know they want to take a photography class, and you can't just show up with a little wind it, click it, you know, send it in. He needed a serious camera. A couple of them did. You know, Howard's heart showed up with that, and it was just tremendous. Thank you so much. Um, the other, the other big thing that we've been focusing on this uh, this year, as we're waiting for our nonprofit status to clear with the IRS, is uh, joining the team. There are so many other organizations out there that are doing good work, and one of the things that we really strive to do at Howard's Heart is not recreate the wheel. Um, we want every dollar and item donated to be used to the best of its possible ability, and that means making sure that somebody else out there isn't already doing a great job at providing those things. One of our favorite examples of this is Project Lemonade. I don't know if any of you have heard of Project Lemonade, but they started five or six years ago, and they provide school clothes at the beginning of every year for every foster kid. They're amazing, you guys. They're amazing. What they also do throughout the year is provide clothing essentially for teens. So we sat down with them. I had no idea. I'd been a caseworker for like three years. I didn't know this. So I sat down with them, and they said, oh, yeah, you have teens who need clothing who are placed in town or placed close enough in town that they can come to us, we'll do your clothing. So now, unless it's a kiddo who's placed far enough out of town that they need a gift card or they need something special like maternity clothes or soccer gear, we send them to Project Lemonade. It's a win-win. Our dollar goes further, they meet the kids' needs, and all of our caseworkers already know about them. In fact, it took me about three months to get it through everybody's head and they did, that unless it's a kiddo who's out of town, they're not going to come to us. They're just going to go right to Project Lemonade first, and then if they can't get what they need, they'll come to us. So that's a really, that's maybe our proudest partnership with another nonprofit in town. Yeah, and we're also looking at other businesses, like um, Portland Music Company will give us discounts if we need to get a musical instrument tuned up that somebody's donated for a kid. Um, and also just partnering with DHS, and these guys have been so amazing at helping us with things like this, so they come and share their perspective, or um, just letting us know things that um, the system already provides, and, and we just need to go an extra step to, to find it there. And these guys are busy, y'all. They are both going back <laughs> to the office today, okay? So this is a so seven-day-a-week situation for them. So for them to come out and really support us in the work that we're doing for their teens says a lot about the partnership that they are willing to create with us. Um, we are growing super, super fast. We have 350 followers on Facebook right now, and that grows every day. That's where the action is. Every time one of our kids asks for something, we post it to Facebook. And it's a really great way to get involved with us as a first step, because you can just be a fly on the wall and watch the requests come in and get filled and feel better about the world and the community that is out there and is helping and doing good work. Um, or you can jump in if your heart is inspired by a particular request. Um, so far in the nine months now that we've been official in the state of Oregon, we've raised and donated over $20,000 of goods and services. We did 156 completely stuffed backpacks with appropriate gear for teens in high school this year. Um, we're now working there for DHS branches in Multnomah County. We're now partnering with three of them as of last week. Um, steps. Yeah. And we've served over 200 kids. And a lot of those kids we've served multiple times. That's the other thing, you know, because we are solely teen focused, a lot of nonprofits have to say, 
we can only serve your kid once this year, or we have this much money for each kid. And we've gotten that question from our caseworkers many times because they want to be respectful of it. At some point, we might have to do that. So far, because of our champions, we haven't had to, and it's been amazing. And the bigger our community gets, the more we get to keep saying yes. So we're really excited and thankful to be here talking to you guys for that very reason. So very quickly, these are some of the programs that we've started doing um, already this year, special requests, essentials boxes, um, a graduate picture yearbook event, a back to school drive, and a holiday drive. And we'll uh, talk through those a little bit with you. So special requests are exactly what they sound like. That's where a teen comes to us and says, I'm playing soccer, I need cleats. Or I need a, f a camera for a photography class. Um, you know, it's what our teens need. I think my favorite special request story was this young man who said to his caseworker, I loved to play piano when I was a kid, and I think it'll help with my anxiety. Can you get us piano lessons? We partnered with another nonprofit, Ethos, um, and we set this kiddo up with piano lessons for 12 weeks. And one of our donors went out and got him a little keyboard that he could take with him and, and play at home. Life kind of went crazy for this kiddo, and he had to stop uh, piano lessons. And I saw this caseworker maybe two months ago, so four solid months after he stopped piano lessons. And I said to him, how's he doing? And he said, you know, most of the time when our kids move from home to home, and he's been in five different placements since we started piano lessons for him, they leave everything in the office because they don't want it to get lost. She said the only thing he carries with him is that keyboard. Nobody touches it. Nobody uses it. Nobody looks at it without him making sure to say, that's mine. You do not get to touch it. And when we first gave him this keyboard, the first thing he asked was, um, what do I have to do to keep this? And we said, keep breathing. That's it. This is yours now. And that's the thing is everything comes with... with justifications and hoops to jump through and conditions and people that just openly give to these kids don't really exist in their lives and we want to be that community. Um, the essentials box you guys are a little bit familiar with because you guys have already filled a whole bin worth of Thank supplies. you so much for that, by Thank the way. You. That was amazing. They're all in the hands of teens already and we've brought you one to keep um, on the top of this. Go to the next slide. Um, those are the top 10 most requested items. And there's a little spot where um, Sarah or Barbara will write in an item of the month. Right now, we're working on getting sports bras and underwear for all sizes and all genders um, to go in the essentials box. And these are for kids that are coming in off the run, for kids that have just come into care with only the clothes on their back, that are being hoteled um, between placements. Um, and so the question we always get on the essentials box is where are their foster parents? We don't have enough foster parents. Not all of them have foster parents. And the ones we do have, guys, are incredibly overburdened. We have not enough foster parents in Multnomah County by, what, a third at this point? So even if kids do have a placement, their caseworkers have to do the majority of the work to keep them in those placements with things like dressers, pillows, this kind of stuff. Um, if you have questions about any of these items, because I sure did when I got this list, uh, pre please feel free to email us. We have cards on the table out front. Um, we'll be happy to answer any of your questions. Jennifer has also put together a really bomb Amazon list. So you can always go look there for 
you know, our most needed items. We're going to kind of speed through the end of this because I'm sure we're way over time at this point. Oh, God, point. I'm so sorry, Russell. <laughs> um, so the Graduate Pictures Yearbook event is something that we're going to be doing if we are able to fundraise for it this year. In June, we want to offer free senior pictures for any kid graduating any program. Um, and we'd go to a picturesque location. They would have on-site hair and makeup and a lunch served. And um, it'll be a really great celebration for for any kid that is has beat the odds and in care is about to graduate something, we want to get them their senior pictures and a voucher for their yearbook. And we want to celebrate that. We're also probably going to be partnering with at least two other local nonprofits. They've already expressed some pretty significant interest. That's also a place we're going to need volunteers. So keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, our back-to-school drive last year was wildly successful. We provided 156 backpacks to teens in care. Um, one of the things that we got was, uh, one of the questions that we got was, um, sorry, stories from caseworkers was about getting a backpack for a 17-year-old filled with crayons and it had Dora the Explorer on it. So uh, not that is not how you engage teenagers with school. So uh, we have scientific calculators. Um, the people that make the August to August planners donated a planner for every single backpack, uh, flash drives, stuff that's really going to help um, high school kids succeed. Um, and also leaving it open for caseworkers to come to us with individual needs, like our kid is taking sports and needs their sports fee paid um, and stuff like that. We did a few of those. Yeah, we did. Um, so we are ramping up now to our holiday drive. We did 100 kids last year. We're aiming to do 400 this year. I need to take a deep breath every time I say that because, whoa. Um, we are having our caseworkers send us individual list wish lists for every kiddo on their caseload, and we want them to get their kids to highlight the two most important items because what looks important to us might not be the most important thing to them. And what we want to do is get them each at least one of their most precious items on their list. Um, so all of our dates are on there. We're going to have wrapping parties at each of our branches. Um, we will need people to come and ha help wrap Christmas presents if anybody wants to do that. Um, make snacks. I see you smiling over there. I like that. Um, we're going to do snacks. Our caseworkers will be there, so that'll be a really good chance to meet some of them. They always have a lot of fun with this event. Um, and the other thing is just to say again, uh, following us on Facebook is yes. the best way to be involved with this because each one of those kids' wish lists is going to be its own post and it's as easy as we will be a part of this. <laughs> yes. I just want to let you know, like, you will be hearing from me the entire month of November about this project. So just just putting it out there absolutely yeah i thank you for that <laughs> um we have a, a ton of ways to give we'll have drop locations all over portland um gift pickup options if anybody wants to volunteer to help us pick up things we're going to have some amazon wish lists um we do have a paypal so if you know y'all are busy which i don't know anybody else who's busy um that's the a way to do it and we'll have volunteer opportunities galore which is also just a really fun way to get involved. Again, I cannot urge you enough to come follow us on Facebook. I know we're plugging that hard, you guys. <laughs> Sometimes I get back on our Facebook page at like 2 in the morning when I'm like, wow, this world is insane. And I go through it because it reminds me that there are people out there who step up every day for teens in care, and it's amazing. Um, all of the links that we've talked about are on our Facebook, but they're also on howardsheart.org. 
um, if you want to look at it there. Um, so those are all of our programs, and I think we've covered a lot of this um, on our website under the Contact Us section. You can also um, join our mailing list if you're not a Facebook email kind of a person. Um, and I just wanted to leave you guys with one more way to help that is a fun one, which is throwing a Howard's Heart fundraiser. If anybody's interested in that, you can email us or private message us on uh, Facebook. And it is essentially throwing a party with a purpose, as, we're, as we've been putting it. But um, you throw a party at your own home and uh, invite your friends and invite us to come and we make a financial ask and we'll be available to take donations we have Square for taking cards and all of the other things. But the fun part is that it's really like anything that you want to do from a cocktail party to, you know, teaching your friends your favorite craft to uh, Sarah had the great idea. I'm a former professional baker and she wants me to come to her house and teach her guests how to bake something, um, which I would be happy to do while we talk about Howard's heart and um, see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> and we've had, every time we mention this, we get new crazy fun ideas for little mini tiny fundraisers. Like somebody wanted During to a have a house party. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, one of our board members is doing tens for teens because Alexander Hamilton, orphan, as we now all know. Um, and so she's, she's going to, you know, do Halloween party and ask everybody who comes to do either a $10 gift card or a $10 donation. So, now that we've taken up enough of your time, sorry, Russell. Go ahead, Jen. Oh, um, just uh, the little disclaimer that we are still baby organization, and we are growing. We're less than a year old right now, and we've seen three to 400% growth in the number of teens served since the beginning of the year. Um, we're currently waiting for our tax-exempt status to be approved by the IRS, which takes months and months. Um, so we really appreciate any, any help or ideas or guidance and just patience as we grow and learn and we're just really really thankful to all of you for listening um i don't think that sarah or i have probably told you the story but uh the three of us were at a coffee shop that none of us have ever been back to and none of us had been to before when we met it was a complete coincidence and kismet yeah. Um, and one of the things that i just want to say is i was incredibly nervous about partnering with churches until i met sarah um, and it wasn't until we sat down and talked the first time that I don't 100% know what Jen's moment of revelation was, but mine was that we have the option to partner with churches like yourselves that come to us with an open heart and say, we love all of the kids under your roof and we love all of the kids you're taking care of. And that was a game changer for me personally. It was a game changer. So thank you so much for being part of this community. It has changed incredibly how I operate in Howard's Heart. In the first big meeting we went to, Barbara said something um, about uh, Church of the City wants to love Portland better. And I found yeah, that to be that. really, really inspiring. And we're really happy to be involved with your, your church. So that's it. That's us. <laughs> Take it away from there. These are the, there were two reasons why, well, there are a million of reasons why that I connected with Jennifer and Amy, but the two that I found to be so exciting for me is that you, you, specifically Howard's Heart, and I know caseworkers are working to humanize 
teens and to show them that there are actually good adults that you can trust and that there's a different way to live because I'm sure that they are living a very unsettled and chaotic life. And I love that that is like your heart and your goal and that there is no exploitation of look what we've done, parade these children in front of you, that will never happen. And that I think is like a core value that we have in this community that we are humanizing people, that we are loving them well, but it is never for our own sake to feel good about ourselves. It is that we are all part of this community and we are taking these kids under our wings and saying, come follow us. This is, this is how we want to live. This is how we want you to live. Thank you for that. That's actually a point we should have touched on. You will never see these kids' identities on Facebook. You will never see their actual pictures. You'll never see them at an event. These kids work with against forces that want to exploit them in many, many ways all the time. And a lot of them have since they were little. So we don't ask them for their sob stories. We don't ask them to explain why they need things. If they're in care, they need things. You're going to hear really good stories because we hear really good stories and they're great kids. But we're not here to offer a justification that is that is part of being in foster care. It is all justified. Thank you both for being here. Thank you both to you. I know you have very busy days and very taxing jobs, so we are really appreciative that you took the time. Thanks so much for listening, yeah. you guys. Oh, they just cut me off. <laughs> They'll be in the back um, answering more questions and giving more uh, details if you've got questions. Sarah, thank you. Appreciate you and Amy, Jen. Thank you so much for doing what you do. We, um, we as a church, we gather together, and we've said it this way before, and I think this is maybe the most um, honest way of communicating this. Uh, we gather together to share airspace. We breathe each other's molecules. We, we understand that, that life is a shared event. And getting together and talking about some of the most important things to humanity is what this church community is all about. Um, so this morning, I am unbelievably grateful that you have been here with us. Sarah, this week, um, by the way, my name's Russell, and the teaching pastor, Sarah, who is hosting, she's our executive pastor. Um, she told me this week, she said, um, just so you know, you're going to have about 10 minutes to talk this morning. Uh, and, and I said, I'm, I'm cool with that. I can deal with it. Internally, I'm kind of like, oh, that kind of hurts my heart because I like, I like teaching. And then as the morning has evolved and progressed and as the story's been laid in front of us, um, I'm grateful to only have two or three minutes with you this morning um, to simply be a person that gets to name how good it is for us to see something like this emerging in Portland. And I want to I put it this way for our, our community of faith. We're going to shelve um, our... Uh, teaching on, on Psalm chapter 8 uh, until next week, which is easy to do. Uh, as a small church community, we can be flexible that way. But I want to read just two passages as we segue into the end of our gathering together. Um, what we're moving towards is a moment where we're going to, to collect an offering. And we do that every week. And we do that as an opportunity for you and for us together to join what we sense God is up to through this church and in Portland. And to make sure that that mission, that that, that is accomplished successfully and in a kind of way that, that makes sense. But one of the things we talk at length about, and, and many of you have asked this question personally of me and of other people on our leadership team, 
do, am I supposed to give money every week? Is that something that God wants me to do? And I have you know, needs around me, and I don't know if I should be giving to my church or to the needs around me. The ethic in Scripture is an ethic of generosity, that we are um, designed as humans to identify needs around us and do our absolute best to satisfy those needs. Period. Full stop. And what that means is we encourage you um, in your world, in your life, to utilize the resources that you've been given as you sense is, is appropriate. Um, so as you sense there are needs around you and they're identified to you, we encourage you uh, to lean in, to participate, to give yourself away, to give your resources away, to give your finances away in order to see the needs around you satisfied. Well, there's, there's this concept through the story of Scripture that, um, that undergirds that, that plays to that. And I want to read you just two really short verses. They're both in Psalms, ironically. And it's not just that they're relegated to the Psalms, but because we're teaching through these, uh, these sections, these are the two that have stuck out to me. And I just want to read these to you, and I want you to listen to what the psalmist says about this very idea. The first one is this. It's in Psalm 10. And this is a point at which uh, the psalmist is, is trying to identify what is the heartbeat of the God who created us. And this is what he says, one line. But you, God, you see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in your hands. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. See, the concept here is that the God himself is broken over our, our plight, over our needs, over our brokenness. And as we engage what God's up to on earth, as we engage what he's um, trying to accomplish in humanity, the reality is that he cares so deeply about the topic being discussed this morning that is rife through the story of scripture. But one more that's a bit more pointed, because this one turns it not just simply to God's sense of this, but his, um, his view towards us as we participate in what he's up to. This one's in Psalm 83. Let me find it again. Excuse me. I wrote it down just for this occasion. There it is. Psalm 82. Excuse me. It says this. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. You hear what he says? Defend. Uphold. Take care. This is the ethic of being a follower of Jesus. This is who we are as a church community. One of the things we say a lot at this particular moment on Sunday mornings as we do share that airspace, as we join in the same communal gathering, is that Church of the City is a church for real people who are really broken and really looking for hope, period, full stop. There's no qualifier to that. Uh, one of the things I, I don't recall which one of you said it this morning, uh, oh, I think it was you, Amy, sharing the story um, about the boy uh, and his piano and how long he keep it so long as you're breathing. That's how long you can keep it. There's something about being a part of this community. The, the only qualification is, is so long that you're breathing. And for us, that means as we give ourselves away, we give ourselves away to other humans under the same qualification, that we love others without, without any strings attached. 